How's everybody doing this morning? You doing good? Come on, look at the person sitting next to you really quick. Tell them, say, it's so good to see you. So good to see you. Come on, look at the other person you didn't want to talk to. Tell them, say, I know you. You need this. You need some church. Hey, listen, really quick, I want to give a shout out to someone. Does this mic sound okay? It sounds a little, little kind of echoey up here. Uh, I want to give a shout out to someone really quick. I uh, just met these guys, Pastor Chad and Madi from San Antonio, from a great church called the Arsenal Church, right down here in the front. Come on, why don't you wave everybody. Can we clap our hands and show our love and appreciation from them? And it's actually Chad's birthday today. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Chad. Happy birthday to you. Come on, man. Hey, guys, thank you for being here with us today. But, hey, if you're a first-time guest here today, we hope you feel right at home. As Nate said, uh, you know, you don't have to believe what we believe to belong here. We hope you feel uh, right at home. And if there's anything that you need at all, come and find myself, my wife, uh, or any of our team that's wearing a little lanyard. Uh, we would love to host you and, and, uh, and help you in any way we can. It truly is our honor to get to serve you. I woke up this morning. Uh, my wife actually, she showed up today for our load-in, which starts at 6 a.m. She came to load-in, and I stayed back home with the kids today. Uh, I got them ready, and, and I was just sitting at my, my dining room table, and I was praying about our time today and just thinking about uh, the honor that Jennifer and I get uh, to serve you, to serve this church and to be in this city uh, when I think back in 2000, God spoke to us and said, go, uh, I've called you to plant churches. I've called you to plant churches and to do missions. And now 18 years later to see that we're living our dreams. doesn't mean it's easy. Uh, it can oftentimes be hard to, 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 to pastor a church or to lead a church in a city like this. It's a number one church and city in America. Uh, but even though it is hard, it is still beautiful and it's amazing. And it is such, a, such an honor. And today I was sitting at the dining room table just thinking about what we get to be a part of today, which is baptism. And we're celebrating that God has changed and transformed people's lives. He's saved people. He's delivered people. He's set people free from things, but also for things, which is to make a difference Amen. with their life. And we get, thank you, Teresa. And uh, we get to, feel free to shout me down as I'm preaching today. Any of you, Teresa, you going to preach with me today? Yes. yes, she's preaching with me. Listen, if you will preach back to me, I will preach better and faster. Can somebody say Amen. And uh, today we're going to get to celebrate changed lives. We're going to need to baptize seven people today. And, and yeah. And, and those are people that have planned to be baptized today. But listen, even if you did not plan to be baptized, we plan for you. We actually have these beautiful. Nate, jump up here really quick. Nate, come on, come on, come up here. I want you to model for us really quick. Come model for us really quick. Just walk down here really quick. Show off that new baptism shirt right there. Come on, open up the jacket a little bit. Show those pectorals off really quick. Look at that. I have decided. Take off that jacket really quick. Show them the back of that shirt. No turning back. Now flex, flex for us one time. Let us see. Okay, you're good. Okay. But uh, we, have, we have baptism shirts, and if you get baptized, you get one of those shirts. Now don't, don't just get baptized just to get a free shirt. If you're that desperate, we will just hook you up, okay? But, uh, but if you didn't prepare with a change of clothes, we not only have baptism shirts, we have towels, and we have 
some black shorts, all kinds of different sizes. And so if you didn't prepare, uh, you, you don't have to worry. We've prepared for you. And so today, if you spontaneously feel like I want to go public with my uh, commitment to Jesus, uh, we're going to celebrate you. We're going to celebrate what God's done. And we just believe that there's a party in heaven, so we're going to party down here as well. And so immediately after service, don't rush off right outside. Uh, if you go down our, our lobby, right down the, the foyer area, you'll have some people directing you to uh, the lower yard here, which is on my right, on your left. And uh, we have, I think, do we have some cupcakes or we have some cupcakes and different stuff, and it's going to be a good time. So don't rush off. Amen. Well, uh, if you have your Bibles, won't you go with me over to, uh, over to Deuteronomy chapter 8 and Matthew 4. I'm going to read quite a few scriptures. I'm going to try to keep this thing about 20 minutes, rush through it, uh, and, and, and I'm only going to give you like a couple points. I'm not going to give you like three or four points, anything like that, uh, because I really want to reserve as much time as possible for baptisms because it's really important to us. Um, uh, but one more thing, I forgot to mention this. If you saw the video, uh, EXO, uh, I'm, really, I'm really excited about this. EXO is our marriage and couple, married and couples night. It's a date night that's going to be February the 16th, I believe it is. And uh, we, have, we have reserved, uh, we have reserved uh, the restaurant. I forget the name of the restaurant. It starts with a P, something. This is great. What is it called? Pepper Rod. Pimper. Pimper what? What did you say? What she said. Um, I can't even say it. It's a great restaurant, supposedly. But listen, the value, the value, uh, the value of, this, uh, of this date night is probably about $175. Uh, and we're, we've been able to get this for just $50 a couple. And so if you are on a budget and you're trying to figure out Valentine's Day, fellas, and you're scoping and you're hoping, you may have a date somewhere in here. And you can, you can holler at somebody, get their number, and we can set this thing up. And this may just be a catalyst to get you married in Jesus' name. I'm trying to help you out. So, uh, so anyway, but seriously, this is, this is great. We're going to gather as couples, uh, married couples. Also, maybe you're engaged or maybe you're dating or maybe uh, this is a moment, honestly, for you to invite somebody uh, to maybe begin to establish a relationship. We're going to gather and uh, it's going to be a good time. And uh, February 16th, save the date. We would love for you to be there. My wife and I would be honored to get to host you and and it's going to be a great time. And so, anyway, you can register at sozo.co slash exo. So make sure you do that. Hey, we're in this collection of talks called Uphill Habits. Somebody say Uphill Habits. And really what we're talking about is this, is that as human beings, we have these, these uphill hopes. But oftentimes we find that we have downhill habits. Is that we have these hopes, these aspirations, these ambitions for our life to be better, for our marriage to be better, for our fitness and our health to be better, for our spiritual life to be better. We have uphill hopes, but a lot of times our habits don't match our hopes. And though we have uphill uh, hopes, we have these downhill habits. And we, we just never get to see the dream of our heart, the hopes of our heart come to fruition because we just haven't developed the right habits in our life. And so we've been talking about what are those habits, those healthy habits, those holy habits that you can put in your life. And by the way, last week, uh, I was able to hear Pastor Josh's sermon. I listened to it on our podcast. How many of you enjoyed that message from Josh? Wasn't it great? That was his very first time ever teaching and preaching in an environment, a church environment like this. He's a great leader and he's led, he's, he's built businesses and done different things like that. But that was his first time preaching and I thought he did a fantastic job. I think the future is bright. I, I had one person tell me, they said, I don't even know why you even uh, preach, Jason. Why don't you just let Josh preach and you just kind of just take care of some other things. I was like, thanks, great. Very awesome. Whatever. Uh, anyway, uh, hey, so Aristotle said this. He said, we are what we repeatedly do. 
That is that your life is the sum total of the habits, the daily disciplines of your life. I had a mentor that once told me there are no such, there's no such thing as great secrets, only daily disciplines. Only daily disciplines. There's no such thing as great secrets or deep secrets in life, only daily disciplines. I heard uh, another mentor of mine, he said this. He said, successful people do regularly what unsuccessful people do rarely. What they rarely do, successful people actually regularly do those things. And we are the sum total of the habits that we have. Uh, one of the things that we've set in this, this series is this, is that you and I, we form our habits, but our habits... They form us. We shape our habits. We make the decision uh, what those habits in our life will be, but then those habits begin to determine what our life will look like. And, you know, here at Sozo Church, we really, we really have this deep desire not just to see people raise their hand or fill out a card to say, yes, I, I want to be a follower of Jesus. While we do celebrate that, and today we're celebrating people that have made that decision. For us, our greatest desire, our deepest conviction and deepest passion is this, is to come alongside you as literally like tour guides and to help you in your spiritual journey, your spiritual formation, and literally to come alongside you and to take step after step after step and you becoming more and more like Jesus, more and more like Jesus. That's our desire is to help you develop habits or patterns in your life so that you can become like Jesus. How many of you want to you want to be like Jesus? How many of you in here you're married to somebody and you want them to be more like Jesus? Don't raise your hand. It's terrible. Don't do that. Uh, here's the disclaimer for you. We said this in week number one is that many of these habits that we're calling you to, they're not easy. They're, 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 they're a challenge and it will challenge you, but you will never increase your capacity inside of your comfort zone. And so you may have to stretch a little bit. You may, have to, you may have to maybe change up some things in your life. And maybe you're like change averse and you don't like change. You don't like doing new things or implementing new things. Listen, you will only increase your capacity in your life. That is that you will only grow to your ability to step outside of your comfort zone, to do some different things, to change up some things in your life. And so today we're going to talk about one of those things. Let me read this to you, Deuteronomy chapter 8. Uh, I love this. This is when Moses is speaking to the people of Israel. He's reviewing their history uh, with them before they cross over the Jordan into their future, the promised uh, land of God. And it says uh, these amazing things as he reminds them about how they're going to live, how they're going to survive, uh, but then also how they're going to thrive as the people of God. He says this in verse uh, number, chapter, chapter number 8, I believe it's starting in verse number 1. He says this to the people of God. He says, be careful to obey all of the commands I'm giving you today. Then you will live. You're going to survive if you'll be obedient to what I've spoken to you. You'll live and you're going to multiply. You're going to thrive. You're going to flourish. And you will enter and occupy the land the Lord God swore to give your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years, 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character. And to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. Now watch these next few verses. Yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna. Manna was bread, daily bread that God brought down from heaven to feed them naturally, physically. He says that he humbled you and he taught you by letting you go hungry but then feeding you daily with this manna. He says, a food previously unknown to you and to your ancestors. Now watch this. He did this to teach you that people do not live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. 
He says, God let you go hungry, and then he provided a daily ration of, of bread. And if you know the story, it would actually go bad after that one day, so you couldn't save it and live off of a previous day's provision. You had to rely on God and depend on God for every single day for him to provide bread. But he says this, it really wasn't about the bread. It really wasn't about the provision of food. It was actually God wanted to teach you something by using bread as an object lesson. He wanted to teach you that in the same way you needed manna every single day to survive and to thrive and to live, he says you need God's word every day. Every day you need manna from heaven, bread from heaven, the word of God from heaven every day, a daily word, a daily bread so that you can survive. Now, now look at what Matthew chapter 4, this is Jesus, this is what Jesus said. This is when he was tempted in the desert uh, for 40 days. Ironic that it is 40 days he was tempted and, and, and Moses was talking about the 40 years. There's, a, there's some type of connection there. But when he was tempted, Jesus was tempted, um, this is what it says. Jesus answered, uh, he's answering the devil, uh, and he says, he answered by quoting Deuteronomy, which we just read. This is what Jesus says to Satan when Satan's trying to get him to turn a, a piece of stone into bread. He says, it takes more than bread to stay alive, Jesus said. It takes a steady stream of words from God's mouth. Isn't that good? A steady stream. It's regular. It's steady. It's coming. That, that's how you are going to stay alive. It's not by just by bread, by eating food, but it's by getting a word from heaven. So here's the habit number three that we're going to talk about for just a few moments today is simply daily bread. Daily bread. Write that down. That's the title of my message. Daily bread. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, I thank you for your word. I pray that for the next few minutes that you would speak to us today. Lord, we love you and we praise you. We thank you that there are no great preachers, only the great gospel of Jesus Christ. And so today, as we look into your word and we lean into your word, will you speak to us today? We are listening to you and we declare right now that we need your daily bread. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, why don't you clap your hands for the word of God. I love the fact that, that God, uh, through, through his word, he begins all throughout the Bible. You can read it when you get a chance, and I'll give you a few verses. But he describes his word as bread. I personally love that because I, I love bread. Any bread lovers in the house? How many of you love those restaurants that you go to and they just keep the bread coming? Let's be honest here in, the mall, in, in church. How many of you, you've ever gone to a restaurant and you didn't order anything? You just sat there and just, just kept feasting on the bread while somebody else, look, you raising your hand back here. I've done it before. One of my favorite restaurants to go to is, uh, and it's a chain. I don't really like chain restaurants, but I like Cheesecake Factory because they have this brown, like, multi-grain hot bread there. Have you ever had that? It might as well be dessert. It is so good. I love it. I absolutely love it. I love Italian restaurants because Italian restaurants, they really get it. I mean, they just keep the bread coming. A little olive oil, got the mix there, a little vinegar, and they kind of mix it up. I love it. I love bread. And so I, I actually, I don't know why there's such a rage in the last few years about like this no bread, no carb diet, because Jesus clearly in the model prayer that he gave us, <laughs> Jesus clearly in the model prayer, he said, what did he say? He said, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right? He says that whole thing. But remember he says, give us this day our daily bread. And the church says amen. I mean, I love the fact that Jesus, he just, he just knew that, that we need daily bread. I love bread. I love the fact that the scripture describes itself as daily bread. Now, what are we talking about daily bread? We're talking about the word of God. 
Okay, Th- this habit that I want to share with you for just a few moments literally has transformed and changed my life. Uh, spending time daily in the Word of God has changed and transformed everything. My leadership, uh, as a husband, my wife would say amen to that. As a husband, it has changed and transformed me. Uh, as a dad, as a friend, every area of my life, as a pastor, I would not be who I am today. And I'm not perfect, but I wouldn't be who I am today without the Word of God. I heard uh, someone say one time that, um, that there was a pastor that said that, he, I, th- I think he like, he, he slipped up and he said like a, a profanity or something like that. And someone said to him, said, oh my gosh, I can't believe that you said that. I thought that you were a pastor. He said, well, um, you know, I read my Bible today and, uh, and I said that. He goes, you should see me when I don't read my Bible. <laughs> and and, and I'm, I'm just telling you, like as a pastor, as a husband, as a dad, as a leader, uh, as a person, as an entrepreneur, as a, a person that has started a church that thinks like that, every area of my life, it is better because of the Word of God. How many of you in here, by show of hands, you still, you still work like a real Bible, not a digital Bible, like a real Bible? Show me, show me those hands out there. Okay. I see that. This is my Bible right here. I still kind of work it a little bit. I have it right here. It says, the Bible is good for you. Is a sticker on the front of my Bible. It's kind of beat up a little bit. I got a little scotch tape on here, kind of holding it together. Somebody told me one time, they said, a Bible that's falling apart is a life that isn't. And so it's a good thing if you have a Bible that is kind of falling apart. Uh, how many of you in here, you like to highlight stuff in your Bible when God speaks to you? Anybody in here? You like that? I like it. You can actually, you can tell what, uh, what people have a proclivity to read towards when you begin to look at their highlights. Like if you see mine, like if you, if you flip through uh, some of the, the New Testament stuff, I have quite a few things that are highlighted. But you get like to Leviticus. <laughs> it's like, there's nothing there. It's really... I've torn those pages out of my Bible. Kidding. <laughs> this is my Bible. I like this one right here. That's one of my favorites. Uh, I have this one. Check this out. The New Testament, uh, Palms or Psalms, depending on how you say it. <laughs> Psalms uh, and Proverbs. This one right here, this is presented to Jerry Burke uh, by, I don't know, someone here, uh, 121488. This was my grandfather's little Bible. He was on his deathbed. Uh, he was dying of cancer, and someone led him to Christ. And then they gave him this little Bible right here. And I have that. And that's a cool little Bible. My mom gave that to me. And this one right here, I actually just recently found. I keep it in here. This is cool. My dad was a pastor. And this was a Bible that someone gave him. On the front it says, Joey Laird, I'm a Jesus man. That's what's in. Isn't that great? I'm a Jesus man. I don't, first, of all, first of all, I don't know how you could ever read that right there. It's like a little, they say that the Bible is the sword of the spirit. This would be like a dagger, a little, like, sharp little small dagger. But I love it, the word of God. Um, The word Bible means, uh, the word Bible simply means book. That's it. It it comes from this Greek word, biblios, that means book, biblios. Bible means book. Uh, Your Bible probably says the holy Bible. The only thing that sets that book apart from every other book is that word holy at the beginning, is that it is holy. It's set apart Biblios, this book, and it's not just any book. This, according to the book of Timothy, it is God has breathed this inspiration into humans to write this and to pen this. And uh, I, was, I was studying this uh, just earlier uh, yesterday. Uh, the book, the Bible, it's 66 books, 39 Old Testament books, and 27 New Testament books. Let me ask you this by, uh, by a show of hands. hands. Maybe, maybe you know this. Maybe you can just yell it out loud to me. How many of you know how many authors wrote uh, the book? How many? How, how many just, just throw it out there. Anybody? Just throw a number out there. Would it be 10? Would it be 15? Would it be 20? Does anybody know that? No one knows that. Okay, great. 
Three, 30? 30, okay, okay. 40, okay. There's actually, there's actually only, only one. one. One author of this book, his name is God, okay. God has authored this book. And, and it's 40 people. There, there's roughly 40, 40 people that have, have penned these, these sacred words. Uh, did you know that you could read about three to four chapters a day and you could get through the Bible in an entire year? You could read, uh, you could read uh, a chapter a day. Keeps the devil away, I hear. Uh, it's terrible, cheesy, cheesy humor there. Um, but anyway, I, I, one of the things that I try to do is I try to read through the Bible over the course of a year. I started doing this years ago. But I remember, now listen, I'm just going to be candid with you. Because some of you may be wondering, like, are you about to give us this little talk where you're going to make us feel really guilty about not reading our Bible? Absolutely not. Listen, here's what I know. Is that this, this, this habit can actually be, it can actually be very challenging. Why? Because we have so many things going on in our life. You have kids or you have a job. Some of you have multiple jobs. Some of you are a full-time student and you're a full-time employee. Uh, you, you, you have so many things that you're dealing with and you're, you're, you're trying to just juggle all the things. Like if I had a ball up here and I was juggling, juggling all the things that you're juggling, it would be like 27 things up here that you're just trying to figure out. And so I understand that this can be a challenge sometimes. Um, but what I know is that it is life-changing. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, he's trying to make this one big point, And they're going to put this up on the screen. And I think this is, this is what I have learned. is It is impossible to survive or to thrive without God's word. It's, it's absolutely impossible. Like as a follower of Jesus, it is impossible to survive. To, to, to live out your relationship with God, it is impossible. Like you cannot survive, you will not thrive, you will just go through religious motions maybe, but it is impossible to survive or to thrive without God's word. I remember hearing this statement um, early on when I first gave my life to Jesus as a young man, I was 18 years old, I remember my, my youth pastor and some of my youth leaders saying, it's impossible to survive as a Christian without a daily discipline of getting in God's word. It is impossible for you to flourish and for you to, to thrive in your relationship with God unless you have a daily habit of spending time in God's word. Now, here's the thing. I believed that statement, but no one taught me how. Like, no one taught me how to read God's word. Let's be honest. This book right here is the most sold book, the most sold book in all of history. This book right here. Number two, I think, is purpose-driven life. Wouldn't you like to be Rick Warren? He, he <laughs> brother made, has made some money. He, I think he only lives off like 10% of his income. He gives 90% of it away. Um, but this book right here is the most sold, think about this, it's the most sold book in all of history, and yet so many people still struggle to understand it, to daily spend time. Like why, it's one of those things that, like, why do people, so many people buy it if we don't read it? Like, why is it the most sold book and yet, yet it's so neglected and so, like, not, not prioritized in our life? I think it's because a lot of times pastors and people in ministry have failed to teach people how to read God's word or to study God's word. One of my deepest passions in life is to help people learn how to, how to spend a daily quiet time devotions with God. Here's why. It's not because I'm trying to put myself out of a job. Think about it. Like, like a lot of times Christians go to church so they can hear the word of God and then they never spend time in God's word again. I actually want to teach people how to feed themselves. Not because I don't want you to come to church, but I just know that you'll never reach your full potential unless you develop a habit of spending time in God's word. So here's the question. So, so how do we develop a doable and sustainable 
habit of feeding on God's word so that we can survive and thrive. Here's the first point I want to give you right here. Write this down. God's word is food for the soul. God's word is food for the soul. And I'm going to teach you, I'm going to give you something very practical towards the end of, end of this. I'm actually going to share with you exactly how I spend that, that daily habit in God's word. And, and I think it will be helpful for some people in here. God's word is food for the soul. Jeremiah 15 says this. Jeremiah said, when your word came to me, when your words came to me, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight, for I bear your name, Lord Almighty. Here's what he's saying. In other words, God, whenever you spoke, when your words came to me, I ate them. Here's what he's saying. It sounds like, like food vernacular, right? He's saying, I internalized your word. I didn't just like tick off like the, uh, the spiritual to-do list, like, you know, you just read through it really quick. But he's, it's this idea that, God, I, I, I received your word and then I, I meditated on it. I internalized it. I ate it. I let it become a part of me. I spent time in your word. And, and it's not just that I got into your word, but your word, it got into me. See, it's not enough for you just to get into the word. You need the word to get into you. You need it to transform you. You need it to change you. And the only way that happens, it's not by just speed reading through the Bible. It's by allowing God's word to get on the inside of your life. Jeremiah said, I ate your word. Ezekiel said it like this, Ezekiel 3.3. 3. He says, then he said to me, son of man, God is speaking to Ezekiel, son of man, Ezekiel, eat this scroll. What is it, what was he talking about? The word of God. Eat this scroll I am giving you and fill your stomach with it. So I ate it and it tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. Do you think he's actually talking about like eating paper? He's not. He's talking about, it's like, it's, it, that would be weird, right? It would be like, just, imagine walking in here and we're just tearing off pages of the Bible and like just eat. <laughs> Like, what are we doing here? That would be, that's a cult is what that is, and that's not what we are, okay? Eat your pages right now. God's word is food for the soul. 1 Peter 2, 2, read it when you get a chance. It says God's word is like milk. I don't personally like milk. It kind of grosses me out. Um, but, but milk is good. How many of you in here, you like milk? You like milk. How many of you in here, as an adult, you're embarrassed to order milk at, at, like, out, like at Starbucks? Like, that's an embarrassing thing. Adults should not be ordering milk in public. You just drink milk at home, by yourself, not in public, okay? That's, that's a private matter. Like kids, you order kids milk in public. As adults, don't order milk in public, okay? But God's word is like milk, First Peter 2 says. God's word in Matthew 4 is like bread. Once again, hallelujah. God's word in Hebrews 5 is like meat. So milk, bread. And meat, that's pretty much all you need, okay, to survive. Milk, bread, and meat. I'll just stick with the bread and meat, maybe some potatoes. I wish that in the Bible it said God's word is like potatoes. That's gospel right there. First Peter 2.2, 2, look at this. We will read this in the Amplified. I like it. It says, like newborn babies, you should long for the pure milk of the word of God so that by it, by, by longing for it, by feeding on it, by, by, by receiving the word of God, you may be, look at this, nurtured and grow in respect to salvation, its ultimate fulfillment. In other words, we're dependent upon God's word, the, the writer is saying, as a baby, an infant is dependent upon their mother or their father to nurture them and to care for them and to help them mature. We are dependent upon God's word. Listen, if you want to grow... You've got to eat. Now think about this. If you only ate naturally, not spiritually, if you only ate on Sundays, 
you only ate on Sundays, what would your life be like? Mine would be miserable. I, I wrote down a few things that happen to me when I don't eat. Number one, I get hangry. I, I turn into a monster when I don't eat. This 21 days of prayer and fasting, my wife's like, God, we need to break this fast because my husband is a lunatic. I get hangry. I just like, if I miss a meal, I start to shut down a little bit. I get sharp. I mean, my kids, they, they just breathe. And I'm like, what did you say? Don't open your mouth. I need potatoes now. Everyone shut up. I need food. You know, I, I just, I get hangry if I don't eat. You get hangry. Spiritually, you don't eat. Your attitude, oh my gosh, our attitudes will be so out of whack if we're not feasting on the word of God. What else happens if you don't eat? You get weak. Spiritually, what happens if you don't eat? You're weak. You only eat once a, once a week on Sundays? You're weak. You have a bad attitude. You, you know what else happens when you don't eat? You lose energy and so you're lethargic and you're tired. Spiritually, you languish and you become tired. And here's what all those things, they finally lead to vulnerability. You know what happens when I don't eat during fasting? Ask, you can ask my wife. Every time I fast, um, I, I, this, this should indicate to me that maybe I should stop fasting because maybe, maybe uh, you know, I should just fast broccoli and cauliflower. Because when I fast like food, all out food, and I don't, I don't eat any food, or if I miss a couple of meals and I'm, I start to miss sleep, here's what happens. I get vulnerable, my immunity gets vulnerable and I always get sick. Spiritually, watch, if you only eat on Sundays when you go to church, you get hangry, <laughs> you get a bad attitude, you get weak, you get tired, and ultimately you're vulnerable and you're susceptible to temptation and sin. You're not strong. You're not able to thrive. You're not able to survive. You're not able to, to fight against temptation and resist temptation. Uh, the word of God, it's food. Number two, listen to this. We have to, this is important, and this is where I want to get very practical. We have to learn how to feed ourselves God's word. We have to learn how to feed ourselves. 1 Corinthians 3, 2, this is what the Apostle Paul says. He says this, he said, I fed you with milk. I did that. As a pastor, as a teacher, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now, you're not ready for it. Here's, the focus here is on growth and maturation. Uh, the idea is that when you're a baby Christian, when you're an infant, when you're new to the faith, you can only handle milk, and you need someone else to give it to you. In the same way that a little baby, Nate and Kayla, they're about to have a baby. At first, when that baby, when that baby comes, listen, they're not going like, to just go to work and leave the baby at home and expect for him to, or her to make a meal for herself and, and to be in it. Could you imagine? That would be so weird, like a, a, an infant, like a couple months old. You walk in, and they're just in there flipping like a frying pan, just like. I get this mental picture of a, a baby, like, just smoking a cigarette, flipping a, a like. That's where my imagination went. That would be so weird. It'd be the weirdest thing. It's like a baby just making a meal in there. No, no, no. You know what an infant needs, a baby needs? You're going to need Kayla to hold that baby and to give it a bottle and allow them to have milk. But, but if, that, if that, that kid is 17 years old and Kayla's trying to hold that kid with a bottle of milk, that is ridiculous. That's almost as ridiculous as a three-month-old smoking a, you know, and it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. The expectation in life is that that baby will grow up and will mature and move from milk to meat. 
and will no longer have be dependent upon someone else to feed it, but there will be a place where that, that kid is going to be able to fend for themselves. Right now, my, my wife, now listen, God bless you, Jen. Jen loves to cook. She loves to be in the kitchen, I think. And uh, <laughs> assumption here. <laughs> and she, she really does. She loves to bake. She loves to cook. Our kids, they eat 27 times in a day. It's, un Elton, Elton is staying with us right now and he's, he's, until he finds a place, and he knows. This is true. They eat all day long, all day long. Now, the difference between Jennifer and I is this. Jennifer likes to cook. I don't. I like to eat. And so when the kids are with me and they say, Dad, I'm hungry, you know what I say? You're a grown man. <laughs> They're eight and five, by the way. You're a grown man. Go in the kitchen and you make your own food. They're like, but mom, I'm not, I'm not your mother. You can fend for yourselves. You're, you're, you have matured to that place. You're not a baby anymore. See, because here's the thing. When you're a baby, milk is all you, all you should get, and you're dependent upon someone else. But the maturation process, this, a, a child should begin to grow and develop. This is normal. This is not like some crazy idea. They should grow. Then you're no longer feeding them. They begin to feed themselves. And then... And then, watch this, this is the truest test of maturity, is that that baby will now grow and be older, and now will begin to, will reproduce and have a child themselves, and they'll start feeding them. Now, think about that spiritually. How many Christians are still been saved for six years and still just needing someone else to feed them, and can only handle milk? I think the Bible, it paints a picture of us, is that Christianity should look like this, we we, we give our lives to Jesus, and now we're a baby, okay? And as a baby, we can cry about things that we don't like and things that we want, and we can make demands and all that kind of stuff because we're a baby. And, and we're dependent upon a pastor or someone to teach us and to give us milk. But the, but the assumption is this, and the implication through Scripture is this, is that baby is going to grow, and now they're going to be able to feed themselves, and they're going to grow a little bit older. Now watch this. And as a mature Christian, they're going to actually reproduce themselves, meaning they're going to lead other people to Christ, and then they're going to start teaching other people and feeding other people and teaching other people. That's what discipleship is. Discipleship is not a pastor just preaching from a stage. Discipleship is whenever you get to a place where now you're maturing and you're growing in your potential, you know how to feed yourself, and then you lead other people to Christ, people that you work with, you bring them to church, or you lead them to Christ on your own. Maybe they, they never come to this church, but you, you pray a prayer with them where they commit their life to Jesus, and then you begin to teach them what the Bible says and what the Bible means, and you begin to teach them, you're, you're giving them milk, and, and now as they begin to grow, now you've taught them how to feed themselves, and, and you don't have to feed them anymore, they can feed, and then they reach someone. See, this is how the kingdom works. We reproduce. That's what discipleship is. Discipleship is not just some pastor teaching you. Discipleship is whenever it's perpetual, when it begins to grow like this. And we move from milk to meat. That wasn't in my notes and that was for free. God bless you. <laughs> Write this down. God's word is an acquired taste. God's word is an acquired taste. Some of you are like, Jason, I, I just don't want to read the Bible if I'm honest. That's totally cool for you to be at that place. I used to hate black coffee until I fasted from dairy, and now all I drink is black coffee. I've acquired the taste. But you know what I did? I fasted for 21 days, and my taste buds changed. The taste buds of your soul will change 
if you will implement a new habit of spending time in God's word. Watch, here's what will happen. Watch this, watch. At first, the habit of spending time in God's word will be a duty. It will. I'm just going to tell you straight up. Going to the gym when you first, beginning of the year, you're like, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to turn over a new leaf. You get the, it is a duty to go to the gym. Any new habit is a duty. But once you begin to see the benefits and the results, the duty becomes a desire. And you, you move from duty to desire. And you begin to crave it. You begin to desire to go to the gym. Some of you are like, I still don't feel that, okay? <laughs> I don't need it. But with the word of God, you, 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 it's a duty and then it becomes a desire. And watch this. Eventually, over time, as you mature, as a follower of Jesus and feeding yourself and, and you begin to reap the benefits of spending time in God's word, the duty not only becomes a desire, it becomes a delight. And you begin to delight in, in God's word. That's why David said it like this. The psalmist said, your word is like Honey on my lips. That's a delight. You know where that, that comes from? Uh, history tells us that a lot of the, the Jewish women would do this. They, when they would have little, little, little children, they would, at, at bedtime was one of the times that they would do this, they would, they would cite the Torah, which was the word of God, and as they would cite it, as they would, they would speak it out loud to their children, they would take their finger and dip it in honey and rub it across their lips. So they would associate the sweet taste of honey with God's word. It's an acquired taste. It's an acquired taste. The more time you spend in God's word, it will be duty, desire, delight. So how do we do it? Let me give you this really quick. Five tips. Write these down. These are going to help you. Five tips, and I need, to, I need to dismiss. Five tips to get the most out of your daily devotions. Here's the first thing you need to do. Here's the first tip. You need to have a time. You need to set a time. You need to put it in your calendar. For me, it's first thing in the morning. I wake up, I bring my son to school, and then I like to go to Rockaway Beach don't go and steal my spot. But I like to go to Rockaway Beach because my son's school is right over there. And I like to spend time in God's word there. That's, that, that's, that's what I do first thing in the morning. David said in Psalm chapter 5, he says, early in the morning I, I wake up and I direct my prayers towards you. I don't know if you're a morning person. I'm not. I hate the mornings. I really do. I hate them. I like to stay up late at night. But what I've found is if I, if I, if I prioritize spending time in God's word first thing in the morning, it actually it, it changes my day. It, it does something with my day. So time, number one, pick the time. If it's not in the morning, if that doesn't suit you, then pick some time. But here's what I encourage you to do. Put it in your calendar and make it a commitment and don't break it. Like when someone says, hey, uh, you available uh, Tuesday at 7 a.m.? Be like, uh, let me look at my calendar. Even though you know what's already there. Just say, uh, looks like I already have a commitment. That's all you got to tell them. You don't have to say, I'm going to be spending time in the word of the Lord. Don't say that. You're going to sound so weird. It's going to just weird. Christians are weird. God's not weird. Christians are weird. Don't be weird. Just be like, man, I already got, I actually already have. If you're a single lady, just be like this. I actually have a date that 7 a.m. I have a date, a hot date. 7 a.m. His name is Jesus. Time. Sorry. Sorry. First tip, time. Listen, for some of you, this is a new habit. Don't, 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 don't be like, I'm going to spend two hours in God's word. No, you're not. You're going to want to jump off of a bridge if you do that, okay? 15 minutes, just start there. Just start with 15 minutes. Maybe 10 minutes. Just start with 10 minutes. Let that be a duty and let it grow into, maybe you'll end up, like, I like an hour. I like to have enough time to where I'm not rushed, where I can make a little pour over coffee. I like, you know, I like to do that whole thing. I like to take my time and not rush spending time with God. But time is important, number one. First tip, set a time, stick to it. Number two, pick a place. 
Pick a place. John Maxwell, great leadership guru, he says this, that it's something special about carving out a place to do certain things. He has a thinking chair. Literally, he has a chair. He only sits in to think about the books he's going to write. And this is what he, John Maxwell says. He says he can actually walk through his library, and if he gets close to that chair, he'll actually start thinking about books. It's like he's wired his brain. I actually think that there's something special about finding a place and, and, and reserving that place and that space for you to spend time in God's word. For me, I like to do that in a truck. You know why it's in, a, in my truck? Because there's no one else there, okay? And I don't like distractions. I'm so ADD, you know that. I mean, my Fitbit goes off while I'm preaching. I'm like, yay, let's throw a party, you know? I'm ADD. I'm ADD, I am. So a truck is just me in the truck. It's a place. Pick a place. The Bible says that Jesus would wake up early in the morning. He'd go to a solitary place, a place by himself. Number three, pick the tools that you need. Here's what I mean when I say tools. For me, I have, I brought these up here for you to see it. For the longest time, I, I would always journal in moleskin. These are some of my journals I brought from the house. But I, I, would, I would always have a journal. I would have my Bible, cup of coffee. Got to have that, right? pen, highlighter, have those things, turn on some worship. And I don't know what your thing is. Maybe it's like a daily devotional. Uh, maybe it is your, your Bible. Maybe you have a digital Bible, whatever. But just pick the tools and come prepared. Don't just haphazardly, like, I'm going to spend time with God today. We're just open. You play like the Bible roulette where you're like, oh, wherever it falls, you know, and just, whoo, there we go, right here, Leviticus 3. Let's try again. <laughs> here's, a, here's, here's two more, two more for you. Have a strategy. This is going to sound funny to you, but have a strategy. David said, every morning I direct my prayers before you. That word direct is actually a military term in Hebrew, and it's the, a picture of a lieutenant of a, of a military opening up, or a colonel of a military opening up a, a map and having a strategy and, and showing his soldiers, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do this. We're going to go here, 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 here. There's a strategy. We're intentional. And David says, that's the way I pray and spend time with God. I'm intentional. I'm strategic. So here's why I'm saying this. Is for me, what I have done is I've, I've adopted something called SOAP. Everybody say SOAP. SOAP, it means scripture, observation, application, prayer. I actually want to show you this. Can you put this up on the screen? Can you put, uh, can you put SOAP up here? This is, this is what I do, okay? So in my journal, I will first write down a title. I won't write down, like this says Steady Stream, but imagine Steady Stream not being there and the Matthew 4 and Psalm 23 not being there, but it will just say title, text, and, and date over there. And I'll write down the date over there. Sometimes I'll write where I'm at or the time. And then what I do is I go to Uversion, and at Uversion, um, I read something called the Solid Life Reading Plan. And it tells me every morning, read Matthew 4, uh, Proverbs 20, you know, 2 or whatever. It tells me what to read. And then what I do is I just read straight through it. Now, I'm an audible learner, so I open up my iPad and I, I listen to the audio while I read. Helps me stay focused, but I put it on one, one and a half. So it's like speed reading. Love it. You should, it's like British. I beseech you, therefore, brother, by the mercy of God. It's amazing. It's beautiful. But I'll read it, and while I'm reading, here's what I do. I just highlight a verse, and I'm like, that's a cool verse. Or, man, that really, that really spoke to me. That was, that was cool. I just highlight it really quick. And after I read through the whole reading, it's three or four chapters, then I go back to this, and then I'll write down the scripture that stuck out to me the most. Just one scripture. That's it. Scripture, S. And I'll write it down. Jesus answered by quoting Deuteronomy. It takes more than bread to stay alive. It takes a steady stream of words from God's mouth. And then after I write down scripture, then I, then I write down O, observation. What am I observing from this text? 
Here's what I observe. Jesus needed a steady flow of God's word to truly live. And if he needed it, how much more do I? That's my observation. Then I write down an A. How am I going to apply what I've observed from the scripture? I am going to apply this by carving out the first 15 minutes of every morning to spend in God's word. Then I'll write down P. I'm going to write down my prayer. I'm going to, watch this, I'm going to pray what I'm going to apply based on what I've observed, based on God's word. So now I'm praying God's will because I'm praying God's word. Lord, this is really an area I struggle in. Sound familiar to anybody? But I am asking you for help. I oftentimes find myself too busy or too distracted to make time for your word. I know that I need it to really experience the life you desire me to live. So I'm asking you for your help to become more disciplined in this area. Help me not to treat this like a spiritual exercise, but a real intimate moment with you. Thank you that your love for me is not based on me reading or not reading my Bible. Someone needed to hear that right there. It says, but it's built upon Jesus. Help me to remember it's not a performance you're concerned with. It's relationship. In Jesus' name, amen. I just do that every day. It's very simple. It doesn't take that much time. Some of you, you just need to have a strategy that you do. The other thing I do, I talked about this in, in, a, in a talk in one of our collections, in the Legacy Collection, called Five Things I Must Do Every Day. Remember that? Five Things I Must Do Every Day. And I, I put that in there with it as well. And here's the last thing. Pick a time, pick a place, pick tools, pick a strategy. Last one is, is make a commitment. Just make a commitment. This is going to be a new habit in my life. And I'm going to do this every day, daily bread, but watch. Let it be life-giving and grace-filled. If you miss a day, guess what? I missed two days this week. God's not mad at me. I'm not going to preach better just because I ticked it off every single day. That's not how it works. This is not religion. This is relationship. This is a relationship with Jesus. God, I need your daily bread. And here's the final thing I want to give to you. This is just a reminder. John chapter 5, verse 39. I'm going to pray and dismiss because I've gone over. Jesus said this to a bunch of religious people. These religious people spent time in God's word every day. They actually had much of the Torah memorized. Okay? And this is what Jesus said to them. You diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me and have life. You know what he's saying to them? Here's the point of reading your Bible. It's not information. It's intimacy. Scripture points to me, Jesus said. When you read your Bible, listen, you want to become like Jesus? Then you need to get Scripture in you, His daily bread. Amen? Come on, let's pray. Father, we love you so much. God, I thank you for your word, a God that just speaks to us today. I pray that you would encourage people, God. Maybe this has been an area they've struggled in. Maybe it's just been like a religious exercise. God, I pray that you would speak to their hearts today. Let them not feel condemned or guilty for not making that a priority in their life. And I pray that you would stir up a fresh desire in their heart to spend time in your word, in your word. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let me just ask you this question really quick. You say, today, Jason, I, I don't have a relationship with Jesus, but I want a relationship with Jesus. I've never committed my life to him, but today I want to become a follower of Jesus. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm not going to have you stand or come down to the front. I just want to know who I'm praying for, if that's anyone in here. You say, Jason, today, I want to become a follower of Jesus. Will you just lift up your hand on the count of three? One, two, three. Lift up your hand. Anybody in here, you say, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Thank you. Right back in the back. Thank you. Right over here to my right. Thank you. Amazing. Maybe just pray a prayer, something like this. Jesus, I come to you right now, and I commit my life to you. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Give me a fresh start and a new beginning. 
And Jesus, I choose today to follow you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Forgive me, make me new. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I can live out this commitment of following you. Today, I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen.